Welcome back to the Winging It podcast, how to build, maintain and totally own a career that you love. Every week, I'm sitting down with an expert to help business owners and career women learn something new that will help them achieve success and balance in a career path that makes you happy. In today's episode, I have a lady with a very exciting career ahead of her. She's been in training for this job ever since I've known her, since we met at 11 years old. Ailey McIntyre is a Team GB athlete who is going to compete in the Women's Sailing in Tokyo 2020. The music for this podcast is epic, I know. It's been provided by the Edit Album, a curation of copyright-free music for creatives. Our listeners get 25% off with the code SASSY25 and I'll leave the link in the description box or if you're listening on Entail, you'll be able to click the link now. If you're listening to this on your phone, make sure you get the best experience by downloading the Entail app. Entel is an interactive podcast platform that combines the best of audio storytelling with the richness of the web. So this means you'll be able to follow links, view images, follow people on social and much more by just tapping your phone. Hi Ailey. Hey yeah. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. In your own words, who are you and what do you do? Hi, my name's Ailey McIntyre and uh, I am a British sailing team athlete. I sail a 470 with a girl called Hannah Mills and I have been chasing Olympic gold for as long as I can remember. You've been chasing Olympic gold since as long as I can remember. (laughs) That's a long time. (laughs) So can you tell us your career story right from the beginning? So school, uni, first job, etc. Yeah, sure. So my um my story I guess kind of starts from before I was born because my dad won an Olympic gold medal in 1988 Ooh, and Mike <laughs> McIntyre Dadio. <laughs> and uh he I, I guess he's my hero and and he totally inspired me but at the same time there's just something in me that I just have this animal competitiveness and I and I just I'm obsessed with winning gold and particularly winning at the Olympic Games. I, I remember sort of coming off the water sailing in tears because I'd come second in a race and it meant I couldn't win the Olympic Games. So it's been a, it, it's, it's been a journey. And then um, I sailed all my life and then I joined the British sailing team when I was 15, which was super young. It was sort of three years earlier than most people join. And um, I had a bit of a challenge on my hands because I... I was super excited to join the team and, and um, thought that this was a great stepping stone in my career to get to the Olympics. Um, but actually, I was still doing my GCSEs and I was still so far away from good enough. You don't, you, you the whole way through junior and youth, you can be quite good. And then you have no idea the step up it is to go to Olympic sailing. Um, and I imagine that's the same with all all Olympic sports. Um, so since then, I finished my GCSEs alongside training and I did my A-levels. And then I decided to go full-time sailing. I, I knew it was everything I wanted to do and, and the best way for me to get to winning gold was to go full-time sailing. And so that's what I did. How do you, but how do you even do that? Because it's not like a job where they go full-time sailor required. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. I guess because I was in the team, and I'd and I'd at that point I'd been in the team for three years. I, I was on a little bit of funding, and I knew I could sort of live at home and 
and I'd have just about enough money to live and and travel. And I actually, very fortunately, six months into being full-time sailing, a, a girl who's very high up in the team asked me to sail with her. And so I instantly, within um, six months of being a full-time athlete, I went from joining in with the Olympic programme, sailing with against Hannah and Saskia, who were the Olympic silver medalists from London. And I just learned so much. I just, I, I accelerated my learning and my career and accelerated my level of professionalism and how, and started to be the athlete I needed to be to reach what I wanted to reach. And um, three months later, we were, had won my first ever European medal and then we sort of medalled at every event apart from one that year and we were fifth at the world championships and that sort of kick-fired my career in Olympic sailing. What does it feel like to win a medal? Um, It feels much better when you win a a gold one. (laughs) (laughs) Every time you win a medal it's amazing but you get you're like this is great but it's not it's not the right color and it's not an olympic yeah exactly so every performance everything we do you know this summer we won the world championships and even that i feel like i look back at that and i go it's not i don't look at it and think that was the perfect regatta we won the world championships and we were perfect i look back at it and think if we'd have been better that day we'd have won with a day to spare and oh. made our life so much easier. I'm such a believer that you're, you've never reached your full potential. You, you're never there yet. So, sort of always want to grow oh, and no. get better. What's going to happen when no. you win a gold? You're going to go, hmm. Wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> she wants another one. One's great, but I could have two. <laughs> Pretty much. So, obviously, it's been quite a long time coming for you mm. to reach the Olympics. And I know that you went for Rio. But yeah. that didn't end up happening. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I was, I was sailing with this girl, Sophie, who um, sort of kick-fired my Olympic campaign. And I was, I was very young. It was, I was 18 when I started sailing with her. And so by Rio, I was going to be 21. And it was going to be uh, a big push, you know. That was going to be hard to try and to go to that Olympics, particularly against the Olympic silver medalist. But... Um, we, we were desperate to try and, um, you know, we got kind of close. We were ranked number one in the world for a couple of years and then um, we just got hit by injuries and our teamwork was never strong enough. We could never build a, a strong enough, robust enough team to cope under pressure. So on our best day, we were the best in the world, but on our worst day, we were mid-fleet and... and um, essentially we got beaten by the better team and the better people and um all I can say is I'm so glad they went to win on to win gold in Rio it made the whole process a lot easier to deal with but I was pretty broken to be honest it's been my dream for such a long time and our campaign had been really hard and quite brutal and intense and I was in quite a dark space when you say campaign what do you mean when I say campaign, I mean... Oh, so we call every four-year cycle a campaign. Fine, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, and so it had been a really, a really troubling time and I ended up having to go see a counsellor for a couple of months just to sort of get my head straight and um, get myself back into a good mindset, basically. 
One thing I can say though is literally the day I found out, I found out watching TV that we hadn't been selected for the Olympic Games. And the first thought I had was, I want it even more. Like, all this is going to do is give me more of a buzz to go and do it. I love that, though. And I think the thing is, though, on your... Well, just generally speaking, for anyone in the career or business or whatever, like, you have shit days that like you do. Yeah. But it's one of those things that kind of makes you or breaks you, your, men, your, like, your mindset as to whether you're going to use it to fuel you on and, I don't know, mm. you know, go on to do another cycle. Or go and get a new client or go back into work and be like right let's just sort this shit out yeah um 100% whereas if you don't have that kind of resilience you can get into like a horrible little hole of self-doubt yeah for sure and, and we have that you know our our regattas are uh six days long so if you have one bad day so say you start the very first day you have a terrible day if you can't pick yourself up and put that behind you and go do you know what? i'm better than this i know i can if I just sort out these little things and really analyse it and go in with some really clear goals for the next day, you won't go on to do well at, succeed at that regatta. And that's, that's not a sound effect. That's people <laughs> clapping in the background. <laughs> They're clapping for you. Um, yeah, it's so true. I think as well with sport, I mean, not that I'm a sport person at all. <laughs> Don't have that natural ability. Um, it's a very... I imagine it's a very kind of tough mindset to be in. Sometimes you have to have that strength. I mean, you get told your shit most days, yeah. So it's it's going to have to be quite resilient, yeah. No constructive criticism there. Just straight in with the. No, I'm I'm joking. You do, you do sort of, you learn to take criticism very well. So how do you get into the zone? Like, do you have, like, a... Before you go out for a race, do you have, like, a... Or do you just go for it? Um, no, I do have a bit of a, a psych-me-up. I, um... We sort of do these, like, visions of how you think you want to be on that day to so go, and, go and perform. So what, what sort of person do I need to be to go and deliver my best? And... Um, what do I need to concentrate on? What are the things that are going to set us up for a good day? And so I, I do go and read them and think about think about how I want to be and who I want to be and, and the things I want to say and um, particularly on work on, on things you're trying to work on, being really clear on your goals and um, that I find really helps me get in the zone for the day and, and out ready to race. I try not to have like a routine. You know, some people say they have a lucky routine. Yeah. Because I feel like if you get, for me, if I get too hooked on a routine, then if it goes wrong, I'm like, <gasps> the routine's gone wrong. I'm not wearing my lucky socks or whatever. And then you Yeah, like, superstitious. Yeah, I don't want that to affect You must run, ra- run backwards around your boat five times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And try not to trip whilst you do it and get injured. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that. That's very inspirational. You could do inspirational speaking when you're finished. You know, just putting it out there. <laughs> so let's move on. A lot of people talk about it being difficult to be a woman in the workplace, but what's it like to be a woman in sport? Do you have any experiences that you want to share? or um, Not that we're going to burn our bras and... <laughs> I feel like sailing is 
an amazing world to be a part of in terms of that like in terms of the, the olympic zone we're, we're treated very fairly we get the same amount of support and um yeah there probably are a couple more guys in the team but in general we're a very gender balanced team and awesome and that's wicked to be a part of we get treated exactly the same and no my experience has been amazing but if I was to leave the Olympic world and try and get a job in the big in the sort of more the big bad world yeah the big bad world of sailing um it would be very hard people it becomes a lot more about um the men are much more desirable basically well that's sad yeah it's a bit sad it's sad because actually I think generally speaking when it comes to the Olympics I, do you know what I love about it? The whole country just like pulls together and it doesn't matter what sports on, te- yeah. on the TV, whether it's like something super random like volleyball that you would never in a million years yeah. watch, but you know that Team GB is playing. Yeah, and they're in with a medal chance and everyone yeah, gets behind It doesn't them. matter if it's like a male team, female team, like everyone just wants to watch and support and see what's on. Like there's so many random sports that you wouldn't even think I, I mean I can't even think of one but there's just super random sports that you wouldn't even think are on mm. TV but everyone table just tennis. like yeah table tennis <laughs> I was thinking that but then I wondered if it was an Olympic sport yeah, it is yeah sport. yeah so random but also really yeah. highly addictive caveat when I was a kid I thought I could go to the Olympics playing netball but uh, I thought you'd mm, say ping pong that's not in the games <laughs> it's not in the games no that's really weird isn't it it's, you would have thought it was, but it's not. But do they have to have something that both men and women yeah, can play? Yeah, so it's, it's because it's I'd a, watch men it's play, play netball. Me. Yeah, me too. So what does an average day look like for you? Because for me, it's like I wake up, I have a cooked breakfast, obviously, coffee, get my laptop out, send emails from nine to five, yeah. and then go to bed. Um, I don't I don't particularly have an average day. I have a... a an away sailing training camp day and that involves getting up doing my activation having breakfast what's activation oh uh so activation is where you sort of it's a bit like warming up for the gym but we sort of warm up for sailing uh so i do i do quite a lot of activation around my hips because i have a scoliosis in my lower back which can cause me problems so i have to look after that quite a lot wow yeah, so I do my morning activation. Okay. Uh, then we'll do a briefing with the essential coffee. And then yes. we'll rig up, go sailing for two to three hours. Um, within that, we'll have exercise that we're doing and we'll be focusing on the goals that we set for that camp and um, trying out new things, basically trying to refine skills. And then um, we come in and de-rig all of that process of de-rigging and rigging a boat, by the way, takes forever. <laughs> just... I was going to say, it's re- sailing's a really interesting sport because you can't just hop in a boat and go and mm. race because it's not just about... It's about your fitness levels, mm. your, like, strategy in your head. Like, mm. you know, what are you doing? How do you do it? Where's the wind coming from? All that sort of stuff. Where are the other boats? But then it's also about the way that you rig the boat. And I don't think a lot of people realise that. It's not as simple as just pulling the sail up and going. Yeah, so I mean, right now, my my days are, we're we're on a no sailing time at the moment because we had a super busy, busy summer, sort of getting selected for the games. And so right now we're on more of a sort of boat technical 
getting fit uh so my days look very different because of that yeah you're right we do so much boat preparation and look into all the little details of the boat even if it's just to make it easier to sail to conserve energy so you can put more energy into going fast you know yeah all those little details we think about we look at we get experts in to help us with um and get stuff made to try and trial and that's kind of, that's kind of fun the trialing stuff's a bit fun like what? Uh, I don't know. You might get like a new little carbon disc or something. You're like, oh, what do you do with a carbon disc? <laughs> um, hang off it when we pee. That's probably really exciting. I mean, I get excited by yeah. a new pen. Yeah, it's like that. It's like that. It's like stationary for sailing. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, can we just talk a little bit about kind of funding and pay because it's not. Being an athlete, I mean, I found out from research over the past few months um, and just people that I speak to, sportswomen, um, all sorts, it's not like turning up to work and getting paid a normal salary. It's obviously you're sailing and you're, um, you know, you're not, that, that's kind of just what you're doing. That's mm. what your career is, but it's not as simple as just getting paid a salary. So how do, how do female sports people generally get paid like where does Mm. that come from so in the olympic world it comes from uk sport and lottery funding um which is the initial fundings based upon the sports results at the games and then from then on it's based on your own personal results and and that's equal men and women there's no no differentiation between it and um that's amazing yeah in that sense with you know the olympic sports i think have in the uk have it really I don't want to say lucky have it really well set up UK sport manage it and yeah fair it's really fair and they do a really good job um so that's amazing and then but that only covers probably about 70% of of what we do because the funding we get doesn't cover our boats and our equipment so that so then we have to go and go and source people to help us um, sponsor us and we have some a few really lovely people who just donate to the cause and that's amazing yeah that is amazing I mean is that just for sailing or is it generally speaking that's kind of how it works just for Olympic athletes um, I think that's just how, generally how, much, how it works for Olympic athletes um, I actually spoke to a few people recently so a couple of rowers and the rowing team are really struggling from um, the downhill of losing like Steve Redgrave and and their sort of like superhero gold medalist now they're sort of out the picture and left the program and stuff they have seen this decline in people being interested in sponsoring rowing and they're starting to have a problem with um being able to afford what they do I find that crazy because I actually used to work at Henley Regatta and I know how rowing's super old school there's yeah. a lot of I mean obviously rowing boats are you know winning rowing boats are expensive they must be oh I don't know how much they cost but I assume they are and there's a lot of money in that world but then I kind of I think that probably goes for every sports yeah I mean say like you know we all see some of the yachts lying around that I mean they're trying to just lying around yeah. <laughs> I mean and sun there's seekers a, there's a lot of money in uh in a lot of these sports, it's just those people tend to be more interested in doing it themselves than supporting. Yeah, I guess the the up and comings of the sport. Yeah, it's a shame. It is. You'll get around it. 
This podcast is not sponsored, so I thought what better way to help more businesses out than to shout out some amazing women doing amazing things. Cake Drop is a food tech startup launched in 2017 by sisters Anna and Nicola Ward to revolutionise office cake culture in London. Cake Drop has partnered with the city's best independent bakeries to bring London's office workers incredible freshly baked cake through their online cake scheduling and delivery service. They're now two years in, having delivered over 1,500 cakes to offices around London, extended their delivery area, expanded their fleet of delivery bikes and launched a cake subscription service called The Cake Club for offices who want a monthly cake delivery. Having worked in the city for three years, the sisters recognised that employee birthdays were always this last-minute panic, followed by a mad supermarket dash and, more often than not, a very sad-looking lemon drizzle cake. And let's face it, we've all been there. They always felt that birthdays were such a good opportunity for a company to show appreciation for their staff and create excitement in the office, yet it was so hard to get it right. You either had to spend a lot of time and money finding a decent bakery, ordering in advance and then collecting on the day, or settle for the cheaper supermarket option. Colin the Caterpillar, can I get a shout out? They knew that there had to be a better option and that's where the idea for Cake Drop came from. With more research, it became apparent that Cake Day was so much more than birthdays. It was about celebrating achievements, impressing clients and serving treat days to keep morale up. There was a huge gap in the market to fill. After a year of planning, working out exactly how it would work, partnering with bakeries and building a website, they launched Cake Drop. You can order your Cake Drops online by visiting their website, cakedrop.london and you can find them on social media at cakedropldn. You are campaigning for less single-use plastic in sports. We are. Which yeah, is which really is, exciting. Yeah, it's super cool. We, um, I now sail with Hannah Mills, who's the Olympic gold medalist from Rio. And we both did a lot of training last cycle. So I ended up being their training partner for the Olympic Games. And we did a lot of training in Rio, in Rio Bay. And at the time, we weren't really allowed to say, but now I can tell you that it was disgusting. Can I ask you if this is true? Because I tell this to everyone. Did you? Did they used to make you drink Coca-Cola when you got off the water <laughs> to like clean out your mouth? We did discuss that. Uh, there's actually no science behind Coca-Cola, but uh, triathletes and stuff do swear by it. So we did do that. But we more than that, we did... Um, every night all of our clothes were miltoned. We would wash with like surgical scrub to get <gasps> rid of stuff off of us. Yeah, we would um, like super vigorous on hand foam. Like the first thing we did when we got changed was hand foam. Uh, yeah, hand foam our faces. Just like everything was sterilized and clean. The boat was sterilized as well. Uh, the boat actually wasn't, but the theory sort yeah. of was that. Yeah that was going to be hard but uh, all our clothes were everything that was sort Burn of near the boat our at faces. the end of everything yeah just a 16 grand day <laughs> but um, single use boat yeah <laughs> not really part of the initiative sorry sorry, sorry. Um, but uh, anyway there was just it was horrific there was so much we couldn't launch for the plastic in the water so when Hannah and I started this campaign we sort of thought let let we want to do everything we can to reduce the amount of plastic we're using. There's obviously some stuff that's 
we've looked into him we physically can't find another there isn't another solution yeah and that's kind of that is what it is sort of thing but uh we all know plastic has its use for some stuff but there's other things that it's totally irrelevant for like and unnecessary and unnecessary i mean plastic bottles is obviously the obvious one but you know just in terms of preparing your food before you go out or I've now started I when I fly I take a Tupperware to the airport and I get my Wagamama's I order my Wagamama's and then I pour it into my Tupperware and then I go on the plane and just stupid stuff like that one I get a way better meal on the plane yes (laughs) number two I just get way less single-use plastic yeah. wasted that's actually a really fantastic idea mm-hmm. thank you i'm gonna do that I next week like it was I'm like genius yeah, that is. <laughs> oh my gosh, i'm gonna do that next week and it's epic so good you get on the plane you're like <sighs> everyone else is like dim sum <laughs> tucking into like a chicken curry or something yeah and you're just there like mm, yes yeah like a yeah it's so good yeah, yeah that is good um so just we just wanted to try and do what we could and and then we wanted to launch this page where people could follow us and follow the things we were doing to reduce single-use plastic and and it all of a sudden evolved the international olympic committee was super excited about it and it evolved into this campaign that hannah launched last month called the big plastic pledge and the mission of the big plastic pledge is to eradicate single-use plastic from sport you know when you think about a stadium and how much plastic is left in a stadium and it's just so unnecessary so unneeded and um you know we feel really passionately that sport can hold a a major place in making changes in in that world no rule changes that would mean you're not allowed single-use plastic in a stadium it all has to be reusable i suppose as well even going to like going to football matches rugby matches getting beer in a plastic cup people running marathons you i mean i've got visions in my head of you know when people in marathons run past spray water out the bottle into their face and then chuck it on the floor exactly like all all of those things can happen my other one is is uh you know i think the fashion industry has a lot to hold on the sustainability angle and i think eventually hopefully it'd be amazing if the big plastic pledge can make some rules about making sure all of our clothing has to either be recycled or recyclable like mm. that would be an amazing thing to have achieved if everything at the Olympics was that. And and I feel like that could really trickle down into everyday lives and trickle down into gyms, into grass really The thing is as well is that the technology is there and there's some really awesome um, fabrics and, yeah. you know, even, even fabrics that aren't made from plastic bottles from the ocean. Um, for example, we've had Natalie and Zana on the podcast um, from Stay Wild Swim and their swimwear is made from regenerated ocean plastic so you know that's actually made from plastic and then it can be regenerated again Um, and it's a totally circular design process but there are so many other companies that are trying to close that gap yeah in recycling stuff so it's totally possible yeah and it's a really great conversation to open yeah it kind of is all about making sure it is a circular economy you know it is too much this disposable lifestyle that we've all got into that, that needs to be addressed and so yeah we've sort of launched that alongside and fingers crossed it'll pick up traction and we can start to make a f- some changes do you think that all do you think that will trickle into the olympics next year or are you kind of hoping that they'll for sure so the internet we're actually associated with the international olympic committee so was very rare but on the website you'll see the olympic rings so they are official backers and partners of the big plastic pledge and and are fully behind the initiative so 
Um, if you're interested, go on the website, check it out, uh, sign a pledge. Um, and Can I sign a pledge even if I'm not a sports person? Yeah, because you love sport, watching it, appreciating men run across the bridge. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> you can definitely still sign. <laughs> what, what type of pledges are there? Just for um, example. So there's seven pledges right now and they're very simple sort of I'm not going to take a single-use plastic bottle to a sporting event. or okay. It's all very sporting-specific. Um, the idea is just to get numbers behind the project, to get other athletes behind the pro- project, and then start trying to address individual sports to make a change. That's awesome. I love that. Also, I love how... I think a lot of people think it's not... I mean, people who aren't woke to it. I mean, I think our generation are, but I think older people are like, oh... It's not really possible for me to do that. Like, I think uh, it's not possible. People think it's not possible to be that sustainable and make small changes, but Mm. um, it really is. And I think there's a lot of things that people can do. So that's really cool that you'll bring light to that. So what's next, apart from the Olympics? Well, that is what's next. That for the next year, that is like, I don't care about anything else. Yeah, literally nothing else matters. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of is true for the next year. It's, it's all about the Olympics, all about gearing up for it, getting our equipment right, getting fit enough. I think a lot of people think uh, as sailors we're not we're not very fit, but I basically if I'm, in, I'm in the gym twice a day, every day a week, and and um, the fitter I can be, the faster we'll go, and the and the more likely we are to win a gold. So um, a lot of work in the gym, and then we'll get sailing in the next few weeks and start working on the finer details to win next year oh my god year. I'm literally going to die when I see it on TV I'm like I know her I know I'm going to die I'm going to be at the opening so I'm like oh, that's actually super exciting my Instagram is just going to get spammed for like the whole time like <laughs> zooming in on the TV <laughs> at you. Like, she's there she's there I'm watching you I know I can't I, it, it's one of those things where Lucy and I used to watch the opening ceremony together when we were kids and just feels so surreal to think I'll be there next year and like Everything I've ever wanted could come true next summer, and that's like amazing. Yay! <laughs> so exciting. Do you know what? This is really weird. I don't actually think how I said how I know you. I used to dabble in sailing. <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> Once upon a time. Terribly badly. I mean, I think I was more there for the social aspect, but. Yeah, but you're fun to have around. My favourite thing to do was <laughs> to play pirates. <laughs> And capsize the boat. And that is why I didn't go to the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this might not be relevant for you, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because I ask everyone this. Yeah. I'm super into apps. Yes. What is one app that you couldn't do your job without and it can't be social media? Okay. Um, why do I have a feeling I know what you're going to say? Ooh, get, okay, guess no. what you think I'm going to say, and then is it some sort of weather app that tells you what the wind speed is? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. That would be way cooler if it was. No. no. But my dad is like super into his weather app, and he's like, "Guys, it's actually going to be yeah, twelve I knots today." <laughs> I am um, more of a freestyle list in my weather. Okay. I, I kind of look out the window and go, "Ooh!" Lick your finger and go, "Yeah." It's coming from south southeast today. <laughs> and the gust is going to hit uh, in three, five two, knots. one. <laughs> um, no, my app is, this is abstract, by the way. It's called Neo Notes. Okay. And the reason I love it is I'm a pen to paper gal. I okay. love 
working pen to paper so all my notes are in a notebook and that app is the app that my pen connects to so it means all my notes are backed up and I can instantly share them to all my (gasps) friends to like so I take all the notes for our meetings and then I email them I record all of our settings and stuff question when you write it yeah does it transfer form it to type text you can do yeah that's really cool it's really I mean I'm not cool. pen to paper it kind of freaks me out that I wouldn't be able to like search for my notes anywhere but if I did that oh you but... can though oh you can you can that's yeah, really but cool I yeah it's really cool I mean so you have to my... buy the pen right but you have to buy the pen which is 100 quid it's, it's not it's not it's not your 99p does it write but... does it write into the book that into a notebook with yeah. with ink yeah so okay. it writes on with ink onto norm, like onto paper. I mean, the only thing I will say is I have a nice pen. It's actually run out of ink and it's been run out of ink for like years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's because I'm not a pen to paper type person. Yeah. But having a nice pen is like a game changer. Like having a nice pen with you all the time. Yeah. Not just like finding free biros from places. So yeah. I, do f- I do feel like justifying £100 on a pen that not only is a nice pen but transfers your notes to your computer yeah it, I, I like I I swear by it they all laugh at me because I carry around my little pencil case with my pen in it I want to see now you don't have to show me after <laughs> I'll show you that's really cool oh I love that you said that because sometimes people say the same app and I'm like someone already said that oh, abstract but everyone likes it for different reasons okay mm, so me, my other app was going to be a period tracker so <laughs> Not really going to help your oh, business. Oh, what is that? Is that called Natural Cycles? I can't... Yeah, I can't remember. I think so, yeah. Something it's like good that. Though. The team were like, it'd be quite good if you tracked that. Because it makes quite a big difference to your training. Oh, as in, like, mindset, like hormones? Yeah. So it um, makes a big difference. And also oh gosh, just, like, energy so levels to go and train. Like, yeah. just before your period, you're like, oh... I when I'm on my period, or, or before I'm about to come on, I'll know because... Um, I feel like this is a bit PG for my podcast, but let's just go. With it. Um, I know because, like, I can I could eat three full meals all day every day. As when I say full meals, I mean normally for breakfast I'll have like yeah. eggs on toast, and I'll have Your like star. a salad for lunch, and then I'd have like a healthy dinner before, during, and like maybe a little bit yeah. afterwards. I'm like pizza, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Give it to me, all yeah. the food. Give me the chocolate. Give me the crisps. Yeah, everything. One hundred percent. So I like we find it super useful because you can be. I'm really terrible at keeping track anyway so then you're like oh that's why I feel crap and don't want to go to the gym today but at least I know and I can someone actually recommended an app um, Angelica Malin she recommended this app called Moody Month oh yeah that's what it's called track your emotions yeah and it's a period tracker that also tracks your emotions yeah mine does too it's called Moody I mean, it's super useful to know for competing as well. Just what that's so interesting. I had I didn't even think that that would be a thing. Well, particularly when there's two sense. of us, so you know, it's nice to if know when the synced, other ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh god. Like God, she's a little bit grumpy today. Ah, oh, yeah, she's about to start period. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't seen that. Would be funny. Um, right. Okay. So at the end of every episode, I usually give a motivational or inspiring tip of the week. But seeing as you're here. And you've already said so many inspirational things. Can you share an inspiring quote that you live by? And actually, maybe at the moment you've got one that you live by versus like everything else because obviously you're you're in it to win it now. You're chasing that dream. Win it. I'm on it. Uh, so every day I give myself like a couple of minutes to just 
imagine what it would be like to fulfil my dream and get all emotional and a bit of a buzz. And and that sort of yeah, (laughs) and that sort of gives me you know if I'm having a hard day, if I'm struggling to get to the gym, if I don't want to have to deal with all the emails I've got or or book accommodation or, or whatever I've got to do, that gives me the energy to sort of get up and go and and give me that little buzz to try extra hard and put the extra 10% in. Oh, my God, I need to do that. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. I got it for someone told me at a talk, and I was like, oh, I'm so going to do that. That is an amazing tip. I love that. Thanks. No worries. <laughs> so, Ailey, where can we find you uh, online? You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at McIntyre Ailey. Do you have Facebook? Mm. Oh, not as in a friendly Facebook, but I mean like a Facebook page. Mm, I do. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. I'll you, you. You're probably going to give me some tips on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll <clears> talk <throat> about that later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Instagram. Oh, and Instagram, same. same. McIntyre oh. Ailey. Oh. I took on board one of your tips, Lucy. I did. Oh, my God. I that just fills me with so much joy. I'm my glad. my tip is that you should have the same social media handles across all of your social media. <laughs> So that social media managers can find you. I do. Check it on board. Awesome. Thank you so much. You can okay, find you me, me at Lucy Hitchcock underscore and at Sassy Digital for loads of career marketing tips. And if you enjoyed the podcast today, please make sure you leave a review and subscribe and share it on your Instagram if you're interested, because I feel like this was a really good episode and it deserves to be shared 